Um, let's turn to Hebrews. And chapter 3. If you haven't got a Bible, um, if you want to borrow one, someone around you will lend you one. And you can look at, look at the words that I'm going to read. Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. And for this man was, for this man was counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who had built, hath builded the house hath more honor than the house. For every house is builded by some man, but he that built all things is God. And Moses verily was faithful in all his house as a servant for his testimony of those things which were to be spoken after. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore, I was grieved with that generation and said, they do always err in their hearts. That means they're always going wrong, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we are made partakers of Christ, if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. While it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. For some, when they had heard, did provoke. Howbeit, not all that came out of Egypt by Moses, but with whom he was grieved, Forty years, was it not with them that had sinned whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest, as he said. As I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. And let's go on to verse 11. Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest, lest any man fall short, fall after the same example of unbelief. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow, 
and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. Right, the first verse starts off with something tremendous. We are, wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling. You and I, if so be we've been born again, we've had that wonderful encounter with the living God that has changed our whole lives, where the life of Jesus Christ comes to live inside and changes everything, you take part of heaven into your being and the bible says once you've got once you've been born again you enter into eternal life that means you enter into the everlasting life which continues after this life in heaven and so once you're born again once you've encountered jesus christ once you've had an experience of god that changes you and changes your whole being, you change from being an earthly person and you carry inside you a heavenly person as well, Jesus Christ. And that life is the life that continues thereafter long after you're dead. And that is wonderful. You're a partaker of the heavenly calling. You're not just an earthly person walking around. You're someone who has eternal life in you. You're someone who has the heavenly life inside. And as someone who has the heavenly life inside, you're different. You're so different from all the other people walking around who aren't Christians. You have something so special. You have something so wonderful. You have something so great. You have the heavenly calling inside. And that is what makes you special. That is what makes you a marked person. That is what makes you someone who belongs to Jesus Christ. He loves you. He owns you. He wants you to be part of his heaven forever and ever. Can you imagine that? Me. What does he want me for? What does he want you for? But he loves us. He loves us. And so God, the most holy, wonderful, pristine God, wants you to be part of his heaven. And it starts here on earth. When Jesus Christ comes into our lives, it starts here on earth. And that is what's so wonderful. So you're different. You're a marked person. You are a partaker of the heavenly calling. And so one, one of the things we need to realize is that 
you're not just here for this earth. You're not just here for what you can do down here. Because this, we're go, our life is going to go on forever and ever and ever and ever. This is only a tiny short span of years here. It's going to go on for and ever and ever. So would, wouldn't you think that it's necessary for you to prepare yourself for something that's going to go on forever and ever and ever instead of just thinking, oh, let's just live for life down here. Great, I've got three score years and 10 or 70 years or maybe I've got a little bit longer since medical help these days usually helps people live a, li live a little bit longer. I've got 80 years to live my life to the full. I can do what I like. I can go where I want. I can build what I want. I can fulfill all my dreams. I can do this. I can do that. Oh, 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 oh. but it's only 80, 70, 60, 50. Tiny years in comparison to what's ahead of us. You're partakers of the heavenly calling. What about your life down here? Do you live your life as though you've got all those years? Or do you just live your life? And thinking about this world, thinking about what I can get, what I can do, how much money can I earn, what great job can I have, what, can I go traveling everywhere, can I do this, can I do that? Whatever your ambition is, do you remember with your ambition, I have a heavenly calling. And that heavenly calling is much, much more important than what I do down here. And it's wonderful. We, God of all, the God of all creation wants, has, wants you to partake of his heavenly calling. He wants to give you part of his life up in heaven down here on earth. Can you imagine? I can't imagine why God would ever want to do that for us. <laughs> we get into messes. We make a mess here and there. And yet God wants us to be part of his heavenly calling. God wants to change us. God wants to make our lives new. God wants to give us eternal life down here on earth. And that's what happens when we're born again. That's what happens when we have that wonderful encounter with God that changes everything. And we receive that heavenly life inside. We're partakers of a heavenly calling. It's wonderful. And consider the apostle and High priest of our profession, Jesus Christ. But the thing is, we could never receive that life without what Jesus has done for us. He made the way. He made the way. He opened the way up for us. And it was all God's plan. God didn't want to be separated from us. God loves human beings. That's why he created them in the first place. He wanted someone to love. Other than the angels, other than Jesus and the Holy Ghost. He loved the angels. They were great. He created them. 
but he wanted someone else. Now, isn't that strange? <laughs> Why wasn't he happy with the angels? <laughs> they all did what he said. <laughs> but he wanted us. He made us. He made you. He made me. But how we started out in life, he couldn't be with us forever. None of us, how we start out in life, can get to heaven. None. Even if you're born into a Christian family, even if you're born into a family that goes to church, even if you're born into, you know, your parents are very good people, so you think. Even if you try and be a good person, so you think. You can't get to heaven. Um, but you can't, it isn't there, it isn't automatic entry. You know, when you go to the doors of a supermarket, and you walk towards them and they open for you. <laughs> That's not what happens when you get to heaven. They remain firmly shut. Even when you walk close to them and think they should open. They remain firmly shut. If so be, we haven't had that encounter with God. If we haven't allowed him to change us and put that heavenly life within so that we're already partakers of that heavenly calling. We can have the life of heaven here on earth because we're changed. We have joy, we have peace. We have all the wonderful things that God gives us down here on earth. And that's such a precious thing that we're given, such a wonderful thing we're given, the heavenly life down here on earth. But unless we've received it here, we won't be able to partake it there. Because it isn't a question of a ticket in a slot at the end of our lives. It's a question of what happens down here. When I had cancer 14 years ago, or whenever that was, in 1988, how long ago is that? <laughs> 14 years. That brought me up short. And one of the things I decided after I'd had, when I'd had cancer was, God, whatever years you give me, after that, I'm going to live them to the full. I'm going to do everything. Because life's not to be wasted. We've only got a short time down here on earth. But what if we just live it for ourselves? What if we just please ourselves? What if we just do our own thing? Are we preparing ourselves for that life that goes on forever and ever? Are we doing despite to that wonderful life we've got inside? By just doing our own thing, going our own way, pleasing ourselves. We're preparing ourselves for that heavenly calling. It's inside now. 
It's something that we need to live now. It's something that we need to understand. You're not just an earthly being. You're a heavenly being too. You're not. You're, you're a heavenly being as well. And that life is what people need. That life is what people want to see. That life of joy and peace is what people are longing for. Their whole life is in turmoil. And they're longing for a life of joy and peace. Can they see that heavenly life in you? It's there. It should shine through. It should shine out. It should be there. Because everything that God has done enables that to happen to you. Enables that because he wants people to see the life of Christ. You and I are Jesus' representatives down here on earth. Let's look at that verse in uh, verse 6. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are. But you see, if someone comes to breakfast at your house, is Jesus there? Do they meet Jesus? Whose house you are? You're his house. You're his earthly expression. You're his house. Isn't that wonderful? You have that heavenly life inside. You're his house. And he's in charge of this house. He takes care of this house. He loves this house. He died for this house. He loves me. He loves you. And I and you are a partaker of the heavenly calling. You've got part of heaven inside you, the life of Christ. In Ephesians, it talks about in Ephesians 2 verse 6 keep your fingers in Hebrews because we're going back there let's look at verse 4 this is what I've been talking about but God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he has loved us even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us together with Christ for by grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us through Jesus Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. But he has put us together with Jesus in heavenly places. Now, I hadn't noticed any of you wandering, floating around on a cloud with a harp. <laughs> ha have you? <laughs> no. 
I use, but their Bible is true when it says that we're seated together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Where are we seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus? We're seated there in our hearts. We have the life of heaven inside. We have Jesus Christ inside. That's where we're seated with him. And isn't it amazing that Jesus who has the, all the beauties of heaven, all the wonders of heaven, all the fantastic angels, all the beauties that we have not even dreamed of, or can see, or, or imagine. Jesus, who has all that, the Bible says he emptied himself. He'd let go of all that. He emptied himself and came and lived like a man down here on earth. And he showed people what God was like. So that when there was a problem, he solved it. When there was a sickness, he healed it. When there was a storm so much so that they thought they would be killed he said peace be still and it was still when they were hungry he fed them when they were thirsty he gave them something to drink and that Jesus is the same Jesus who is alive today he still heals the sick. He still, when there's a problem, he's the solution. When we need healing, he took our sicknesses into his own body and when he died on the cross. And when he was beaten with those whips, that's when we were healed. 2,000 years ago, that's when we were healed. He has a solution for everything. He has an answer for everything. And we carry that answer inside us. If so be, we are partakers of the heavenly calling. If so be, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places. If so be, we've had that encounter with Jesus Christ that has changed our life. If we haven't, When we get to the pearly gates and we put our ticket in the door, they're not going to open. <laughs> they're going to stay firmly shut. There's a dear lady in this congregation, I don't know whether she's here this morning, but she told us of her encounter with God. She came to the church for several years and she would always come up to one or Mary or I or one of the others of us and she'd say, I still feel as though I'm in the waiting room. She said, I don't belong yet. I still feel I'm in the waiting room. And then one day, face beaming, after about four or five years, face beaming, she said, I've arrived in the house.
Jesus has met me. I know him. And her whole life changed. I've arrived in the house. Whose house are you? Are you Jesus' house? Or your own? Have you got the heavenly calling inside? Do you live for heaven as well as for earth? Do you live to please Jesus? Or are you doing your own thing and hoping Jesus blesses you on top? That's not the way to do it. That's not the way to do it. We have to have that life inside. We have to be partakers of the heavenly calling. We have to be seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus now. And that's what happens when we encounter Jesus Christ. That's what happens when we're born again. That's what happens. Our whole life changes. Everything becomes new. Everything is of God. Our whole attitudes, our whole thought life, everything changes. And we have a new direction, a new hope, a new focus of our being. Everything is focused on Jesus Christ. And the writer to the Hebrews, let's go back there, is just saying, be careful. Don't let it slip. Because it's so wonderful. Let's look back at verse 6. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house are we, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. You see, things happen in life. And if we don't meet every challenge in life with faith and the confidence that God can sort it out, he's in charge, he knows, he made the way for me, I've got that heavenly calling inside me. If we don't face every challenge in life with that, what begins to happen is that one experience after the other kind of drops in on our heart and we start to get bitter and asking why and we start to get a little bit crotchety with our fellow Christians we can't be start to find them irritating we start to find I can't bear that person um, and we start to get niggly and we start to get cross with each other. And things start to just build and build and build. But there's a solution in this verse. We Hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm unto the end. And there is nothing like filling your life with thankfulness. And it's a choice. 
It's a choice every day. One piece of advice I heard an old man give to a married couple who were finding that they did nothing but get at each other. They got to a stage where they just bickered the whole time. These were Christians. They just got to a stage where they bickered at each other the whole time. And so he said to them, I want you to go away and I want you to make a list of ten things that, you, that you're grateful to God for, for your husband or your wife. <laughs> at first, they found it really difficult because they got to the stage of complaining constantly about each other. <laughs> and so it took them a while to remember the good things. But after they thought about it carefully and they'd written down each thing that they treasured about their husband or their wife, they realized, hey, this marriage is worth saving. Hey, I really do love them. Hey, there was something special about them from the beginning. That's why I fell in love with them. And when they came back to see the old man, he said, I can see. It's done the work already. They were back in love with each other. They'd just forgotten. They'd forgotten. They were so busy complaining, so busy finding fault, so busy getting irritated, they forgot. And that's what life can do to you. That's what you can start doing with God. Because life can deal some horrible blows. And yet, if you have Jesus Christ inside, if you have that heavenly calling, if you're seated in heavenly places in Christ, you can stand up to anything. Anything can hit you sideways and you can stand up and say, I know that my Redeemer lives. I know he's going to see me through. I know I'm going to come out victorious. Whatever it is that's hit me for six. Devil, I'm going to stand here and I'm going to praise my God. You know, when I got cancer, I felt sorry for myself. <laughs> I've never smoked, I've never drunk, I've never done any of those things, and here I am, people live a, a terrible life, and, they, and they, they, they live for years, and I've got cancer, and I felt sorry for myself. Um, until one day, when I was in the middle of my treatment, and God, I realized... And I read that verse, I shall not die but live and declare the works of the, God, of the Lord. And God spoke to me and he said, are you going to choose death or life? <laughs> so I realized I had to choose life. And I had to fight for life. And I had to determine 
that I was not going to die. I wasn't going to give the devil an inch and I wasn't going to let him take my life. Not that he can, but he tries. I'm not going to die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. And that's what I've determined to do for the rest of my life. So keep that hope firm to the end. And the way to do it is to have a thankful heart. Thankful about everything. Not that you go, oh, I've had a terrible day, but praise the Lord anyway. <laughs> but there's something fantastic about this life. There's something great about this life. There's always something you can find to praise God for. Always. And in Thessalonians, let's look at that. One, I think it's 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 16. Rejoice. How long? One minute? Two minutes? <laughs> Until the next bad thing goes wrong? Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. In everything. In everything. In everything. And I am so grateful for the time when I uh, had cancer. I wouldn't choose it. I wouldn't ask God for it. But it taught me such a lot. Taught me such a lot. Now I have compassion for those who are going through the same thing. Now I understand what they're going through. Now I understand the fights they've got. Now I understand how you can feel so sorry for yourself. <laughs> and even when you've got cancer, it's, you can't afford to feel sorry for yourself. Because Jesus Christ wants you to be a victor. He wants you to be victorious over every circumstance. He went to the cross. He took your sicknesses. He took your pains. He took your sorrows. So that you could live and live a heavenly life down here on earth. Do you want to know what the will of God is for you? Every day, all day. Well, what is it? Give thanks. All day long. Wouldn't it be nice <laughs> if your husband or your wife came home to someone who'd been giving thanks all day long? Do you know I love to be with happy people? <laughs> And if someone's looking down and miserable and in the dumps, I think to myself, oh, goodness me. <laughs> but, oh, I mean, obviously things happen when you do get down. Things happen when, when 
life does hit you for six. And I know I've got something inside me which I can help others with, to lift them up, to encourage them, to say, hey, find something to be thankful for. Find something to love God for. Change your whole attitude. Change everything. This is the will of God concerning you. That's not difficult, is it? <laughs> you want to know what God's will for you is? Not difficult. In everything, give thanks. The joy of the Lord is your strength. That's what Ezra told the people. The joy of the Lord is your strength. After they'd been fasting and feeling sorry and crying because they'd done wrong, Ezra says, now, straighten up. Change your faces. <laughs> I can imagine him going like this. <laughs> Like we do the, the, to the children, we say, change your face, let's see a smile. And he said, the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, now, does it say, your joy is your strength? No, it says the joy of the Lord. Because your joy doesn't last very long. Because the next time something goes wrong, you're hit again and you think, oh, why has it happened to me? But the joy of the Lord stays there forever. You see, it's not difficult. It's not really a big effort. We just have to choose to remember, to give thanks in everything. Rejoice evermore. Rejoice in the heavenly calling that you've got. Rejoice that God loves you. Rejoice that you're a ch his child. Rejoice that he cares so much for you that he sent Jesus. Rejoice. There's so much to thank God for. So much. So much to thank him for. And he supplies all our needs. There's nothing he hasn't thought of. No circumstance that happens in our life takes him by surprise. And he thinks, oh heavens, Jesus, what on earth are we going to do about this? He never gets upset by what goes on in the world. He's in control of it. And he lets things happen because he knows what the end's going to be. And we think some things are an absolute disaster. And sometimes when I look at the church of God, I think, how on earth is he going to sort this mess out? <laughs> but I'm glad he's in charge. <laughs> he knows what he's doing. <laughs> and I'm glad I don't know. <laughs> but all I know is that he's wonderful and that he makes everything right. And in my life, if I keep rejoicing. If I keep that rejoicing firm to the end in the hope
the hope is that I have that heavenly life within me and I'm going to continue with that heavenly life right forever and ever and ever and ever. And that heavenly life I can have down here on earth. And that's what's so wonderful. Let's go back to Hebrews. Let's look at verse 14. Hebrews 3. For we are made partakers of Christ. A partaker. That's someone who takes part in. Someone who embraces. Someone who takes something in and it remains inside. We're a partaker. You're a sharer. You share the life of Christ. He comes to live inside you by his spirit. He makes you his house. You're his house. He loves you. I'm a partaker. But I have to remain in this confidence if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. Don't let life's problems rob you of that confidence. Don't let things build one upon the other in your heart until you're just bitter. Face everything with faith. It's not your own faith. It's the faith of God. All you have to do is to turn your heart with thankfulness. And you find faith floods into your heart. You know that you can face any circumstance. Whatever he did for you before, he'll do again. That's the way... They taught the children of Israel. They recounted to them all the wonderful things that God had done in the past. How he'd saved them. How he'd taken them across the Red Sea. How he brought them into the promised land. And the children of Israel would repeat thing after thing after thing after thing that God had done for them. And when they'd done that, they had faith to believe that he could do it again. Amen? He could see them through again. He could cause them to triumph again. This circumstance is not going to beat me because Jesus Christ gives me the victory. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Amen. Every time he gives us the victory. Is that right? Amen. Of course he does. So we can, that's the way we remain firm to the end. But we need to watch it. We need to be careful. Let's look at chapter 4, verse 1. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. And the way that the children of Israel allowed that to happen to them was through unbelief. 
that's what happens. We begin not to trust God. We begin to think he's let me down. We don't even dare voice those words, but somehow there's a disappointment in our heart. Things haven't turned out the way I wanted. My life's not gone the way I expected. And we just allow different little niggles at first to settle down in there. But oh, we have such a wonderful confidence. We have such a wonderful heavenly calling. Don't let those things rob you. Don't let them, don't let yourself fall short. Let's look down in verse 12. This is the way to help yourself. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open unto the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Allow the word of God to do its work in your heart. That's all you have to do to, re to uh, remain constant to the end. You just have to allow the word of God to do its work in your heart. It's the word of God is absolutely bound to deal with every problem. The, Bi the Bible says it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's so accurate. It's so sharp that it can just get there straight away. No problem at all can root to the problem in your heart. Something's happened, something's gone slightly awry, something's, you know, you've got a little niggle, like I was saying. And if you open yourself up to the word of God, you think to yourself, oh dear, that's gone wrong. I shouldn't have done, I realized my attitude slipped. I've done this, I've done that. And if you allow the word of God to work, then hallelujah, it's finished, it's done with, it's over. You've allowed the word of God to check you, to pull you up short and say, hey, something's going wrong. But God doesn't do that to beat you over the head and say, you bad thing. God does that. But God allows this to happen because he knows he's made a way for you. He knows he's got the solution before the problem ever arose. God loves you. And so we need to have an open heart for the Word of God to work in us. So when you come to the church, be ready. Don't think to yourself, oh, it's another Sunday service, I can't bear it. Oh, I've, have I got to go to church on Tuesday? I'm so tired. <gasps> oh. No. 
It's an opportunity to make sure that you can have the Word of God work in your life and heart. And accurately, so accurately, it's not going to leave you in any doubt. It's going to work there. That sword's going to straight there if you'll have your heart open for it. Because God sees anyway, so why are you hiding? <laughs> he knows exactly what's up with you. <laughs> you don't deceive him, and you don't deceive anybody else. You just deceive yourself. Let that word of God work in you. And look what the solution is. Seeing then that we have, in verse 14 of chapter 4, we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our profession. For we have not an high priest which is, cannot be touched with the feelings of our weaknesses or our problems or whatever happens, but was in all points tempted like as you. <coughs> Jesus went through everything you're going through. There's no situation in your life that he didn't face before you in his own life. Nothing. And so it's the Bible says he can be touched. That means he feels every problem that we've got. He knows about it. And he was tempted in all points like us and yet without sin. He didn't give in to any of them. No self-pity, no nothing. He didn't ever ask God, why does this happen to me? Why has my life gone like this? No. He was without sin. Why? Because he knew that he had to take all our sin into his own body when he died on the cross. And if he couldn't be without sin, he couldn't take our sin. He had to be the perfect lamb. And for you and me, he lived a perfect life. Because he knew that one day you and I would need to know him. You and I would need to be washed clean of all the things that we've ever done wrong in our lives and made anew and given a new start, a new life, a new hope, everlasting life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That everlasting life is on offer for you today. Because Jesus died for you. If you'd been the only person in the world, Jesus would have died for you. God made a way for you. He loves you. God made a way for you to have that heavenly calling 
inside. God made a way for you to have your whole life changed, for you to have a purpose in life, for you to have a wonderful life. And how do we maintain that life? By having a thankful heart, rejoicing evermore. Because that's the will of God concerning you. And why can we rejoice? Because Jesus Christ is our great high priest. And he was touched with all the feelings of our infirmities. He faced everything you face. And he came out victorious so that you and I can come out victorious in everything. In everything, give thanks. Well, if a situation that faces you and it's a sidewinder that knocks you for six, it's only because it's impossible and God's the God of the impossible. <laughs> he just wants to show you. It's a challenge. What are you going to do with it? Are you going to sit down and die under it? Or are you going to say, I know that my Redeemer lives. I know he'll see me through. I know he'll have an answer. I know that he'll provide for every need that I have. Thank you. Thank him in advance. Maintain that thankful heart, for this is the will of God concerning you. Rejoice evermore. Hallelujah. Amen.